shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. Welcome, my friend, and thank you so much for being a part of My Friend Autism. I'm Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. I'm all about helping you raise your level of understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, well, hey, I've got two YouTube channels, just for your interest. Orion Kelly, that autistic guy with all my video content, all the shorts, everything, yada, yada, yada. And I've got this amazing, beautiful, new, purpose-built, dedicated podcast channel, the Orion Kelly podcast podcasts youtube channel but you know what i've got that's better than all that just the best community on youtube honestly all right let's get to it my friends how to beat demand avoidance hopefully you've checked out my videos and podcasts on demand avoidance well today let's tackle the topic of really getting our head around how to beat demand avoidance or maybe more appropriately how to navigate our way through it because as a manifestation of autism in which in my opinion because it is by the way this is my opinion is a medically diagnosed medically recognized disability this idea that using that word means that oh oh, that's bad now now everything about me is bad i never understand this what's so bad about embracing the idea that it's actually a medically recognized disability because of things that Disable you in a neurotypical world. I just don't understand how this is a big problem for people. Oh no, it's not a disability. It's a condition or it's a... That's your opinion and that's cool. I'm just trying to say, I mean, then why is my son and I getting support from the government via a national disability insurance scheme? I don't understand if it's not a medically recognised disability, how are we getting that support? doesn't make any sense. Anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, that's right. We're talking about demand. <laughs> We're talking about demand avoidance, how to beat it. What is it? It's a condition associated with autism. We know that. I do want to go back just for people that maybe want to get their head around it. Okay. So it's, it's this obsessional need to resist or avoid demands, which can lead to sensory overload, meltdowns, aggressive outbursts, burnout. We have discussed this in a previous video and podcast about demand avoidance. And many people, they commented almost straight away when I first put the video out. Okay, great. I resonate with this deeply. What about some practical tips? What about some help overcoming it? All right, so let's go through some of those. My top ways you can beat demand avoidance. Does that sound good? Great. Advanced notice. Before I go any further on this topic, let's just go back to a very simple, a simple truth. Autistic people, and you can categorize it in the medical model way, which is the restrictive and repetitive behaviors and interests. Categorize it that. But what that means is, that plans, routine, sameness, the, the, the bankability of knowing what you're going to do today, tomorrow, and things that can come up out of nowhere, like often do in life, can affect an autistic person disproportionately to a person that isn't autistic. And to those people, it can look like they're aware being brats or we're having a tantrum or we're overreacting. Well, we we are in a neurotypical brain. We are. 
But we don't have a neurotypical brain. We have an autistic brain and therefore we're not. We're having a standard autistic response, frankly, to our need for sameness, rigidity, plans, routine. Because if life is overwhelming, this is really important, right? What, what are you talking about? What, this, we're talking about demand avoidance, right? What, what, what are you talking? Okay, well, let's, okay, let's work it out. So giving an autistic person a heads up or a clear understanding of upcoming events or a clear understanding of upcoming impediments to their daily routine. Because you know, if, you know what they do and you know if something's coming up, it might be an appointment or, or you know, some work coming to the house or whatever. You can provide them with that heads up, that advanced notice. What does that do? It provides the autistic person with a sense of being in control because it's advanced notice. Remember, control is about anxiety. I'm not going to get into a psychological conversation about anxiety and control. Everyone's different. There are clearly different psychological manifestations of control and anxiety, but for the most part, autistic people who have anxiety as either a comorbidity or just, in my opinion, all autistic people have some sort of subclinical experience of anxiety, although most probably have clinical anxiety. I'm just saying that creates control. So yeah, the autistic person in your life may seem, even as a child, controlling. You've got to, they've got to manage everything. Why do, why you have to manage everything? Why do you need control of everything? Why you have to watch everything? You, these might resonate, these statements with you. Well, I'll tell you why. Simple. Anxiety, predictability, plans, routine, anxiety around that. If we control things, we can lower our anxiety. So the idea of providing advanced notice gives us a sense of control because it's advanced notice. Does that make sense? Advanced notice also provides the autistic person in your life, in my opinion, some much needed processing time. Okay, so... Demand avoidance, in essence, is there may be something that you're going to do, that you need to do, that you want to do, that you're planning on doing, and an intervening act of some sort of demand renders you incapable or unable to do that task. The intervening act will be things that throw a spanner in the works. Advance notice on the spanner in the works aren't intervening acts. They sound the same because you're telling them what's going to happen, but you're telling them with enough notice to plan for it. And therefore, instead of it happening on the day and me going, well, if someone's coming to the house at lunch, I'm not doing any content today. I can't work today because how do I know I'll be able to plan? What if I'm still recording when they get here? What if they get here early? How long are they staying? Will they be able to do stuff later? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? So it's the note, like, okay, I can plan this out now. So I've got a window the day before, the week before, and you can work through it. Next one. Stay calm. Stay calm, my friends. When the autistic person in your life becomes anxious, starts to panic, let's be clear, as a result, not talking about stimuli and meltdowns, as a result of like demands or the sign of a demand. Remember, we can sometimes see there's a demand coming. The people around them simply have to stay calm. If I start to become anxious or start to panic at the sign of an intervening demand, People around me matching my energy will not help anyone. So what I'm saying is don't fall into the trap. Don't fall into the trap of matching the energy, the tone, the volume, the body language of the autistic person in your life. The reason why I say this, and you think, well, that's a given. The reason why I say this is because I do it too with my autistic son. 
you can mirror people at their worst time. Now, if you've got an autistic person who, as a result of intervening acts or the sign that, hang on, you're about to tell me something or demand me of something or have some reliance on me where I know this is going to impede my ability to do something I wanted to do, and it's going to start, I'm going to start getting agitated, right? For me, it might be rubbing my face, my hair, my ears, whatever, getting agitated, my body moving erratically, that kind of stuff. If your wife, your partner, your mum, your dad, your carer, your friends, you know, whatever, if they start, and let's say that's you, if you start to take that energy on and mirror that, maybe subconsciously, maybe consciously, or allow it to get you agitated, allow it to rile you up rather than staying calm, then the whole situation will escalate to the point where there's no point in trying to, well, this video is irrelevant. You, should, you can go now. There's like, well, you can't beat demand avoidance. Does that make sense? You want to beat demand avoidance? Okay. Don't match the energy. Stay calm. You are the rock, right? You are the rock in this particular, well, in the relationship, really, with regards to that kind of stability. By, by staying calm in the face of their panic, firstly, you can actually help them overcome their anxiety and the panic they're experiencing. So by staying calm, you're helping them overcome that anxiety, that panic, because you're not matching it. Therefore, they can resolve it quicker. And therefore, you can get back to what you're trying to do, which is manage an intervening act that's going to create demand avoidance, a change to that routine of what they're going to do, and encourage them and help them and work your way through where it's still going to be able to happen. The demand won't beat them. It sounds simple. But it's hard to practice, I know. Next one to talk about, how to beat demand avoidance. Probably the biggest one I've got to talk about with the most examples. Indirect language. Establishing plain and direct language. So I think it's fair to say in all the chats we've had about this, we've clearly established that plainly and directly asking the autistic person in your life to do something can trigger demand avoidance. That's clearly established, right? I think we've We've pushed through that particular part there. All right. So to my son, brush your teeth, mate. Brush your teeth. That's not going to work. You have to brush your teeth now, please. You have to brush your teeth because everyone brushes their teeth, mate. Everyone brushes their teeth. Brush your teeth. It's not going to work. All right. Well, is it always going to work? Is it not going to work? I mean, these are all... General statements, there's exceptions to every rule, but you get the point. They are demands. Brush your teeth. Everyone brushes their teeth. You need to brush your teeth now. Brush your teeth. These aren't going to work with autistic kids and autistic people, for that matter, due to demand avoidance. How do we beat that? Simple. We use indirect language. This can be the key to unlocking demand avoidance. The key, really, to unlocking relationships with autistic people, autistic kids. All right. Let's go through some examples. Some are just from my day-to-day life as a dad with an autistic kid, and others are more just in general terms. So, all right, so let's do the, let's do the teeth thing with my son. Autistic kids, and I reckon autistic people, we, need, we have to know the why, right? We have to know the reasons of things. We talked about this before. All right. Instead of going, brush your teeth. Everyone brushes their teeth, mate. Just brush your teeth, please. Brush them. Buddy, brushing your teeth keeps your teeth and gums clean and your mouth healthy. So... It's pretty annoying, but that's why everyone does it. Indirect language. Another example of indirect language that I use at home with our autistic son. Let's say he's one of those classic autistic people that 
aren't great on self-care, get home from school, the lunchbox is almost completely full, that, like, as in they haven't eaten much of their lunchbox, and, and their drink bottle is almost full, which means they think they're a camel, and they're not a camel. They're a dehydrated, constipated mess that I've got to deal with. <laughs> Indirect language. So for starters, well, then direct language is, mate, you haven't drunk anything today at school. You're, so you're not a camel, right? Okay, you're not, and you need to drink water. If you don't drink water, mate, like you're going to get constipated. You're going to get dehydrated. You're going to feel sick. It, it's important to drink water. You have to drink water. You have to stay hydrated. Okay, so these are reasons, but here's what I do. This is even further to indirect. He gets home from school. Let's say he's having a bit of screen time to regulate himself, which all autistic kids, in my opinion, need after masking all day. Don't frown on the screen time. It's important for them. Anyway, I'll get a drink bottle, a different drink bottle, not the same as a school one, a different drink bottle. So not a cup, a drink bottle. I'll fill it up with water. I'll take it up to his room or wherever he's having screen time. I'll plonk it down next to him and I'll just say, here's your drink bottle, mate. So I haven't said, you need to drink, drink this. Here's your drink bottle, mate. And then I leave. Silence between those things was just for you. I don't think I need to sell that any further. Another example. Tell another person the thing you want to tell the autistic person in your life while they are in earshot. Huh? What? Yeah, I don't really have any good reasons or examples to help you understand that better. But I guess what I'm saying is it's indirect because let's say my wife wants to tell me that she really needed me or, or, or wanted me to you know, do some washing, some clothes washing, because she's at work and you know I work from home. Telling me, Ryan, we really need to wash some clothes. Ryan, can you please wash some clothes, right? That might not work as direct. She might say something to our son while I'm in the room. I don't know. I'm really sorry, little buddy, but your favourite pyjamas are still in the laundry. They've got, they haven't been washed yet. I hear that. It's not about me. It wasn't directed at me. All I'm making, I feel bad for my little dude. I almost probably go straight to the laundry and put on a load, right? But I feel like I've got to, I can fix this problem. This is an easy problem to fix. So it's, you're communicating to me via someone else with me in earshot, but in an indirect way. I reckon it's pretty powerful too. And, you know, as we go through these, people are going to go, what, aren't you just playing tricks on autistic? Aren't you just teaching people to play tricks on autistic people or, like, exploit them through mind games and things? And it's like, mate, you could label anything on the planet anything. So why, what's the point of that conversational question in the first place? If that's what you want to believe it is, then that's what it is. I can't change your mind. I'm just saying these are what, if I'm helping an autistic person improve the quality of their life and achieve things they want to achieve on a daily basis and maintain good relationships, and I'm doing it in a way that makes sense because it's the way their brain works, but you just see it as like a mind game or an exploitation, I can't, I can't change that. More examples. Do you think we can make this work? It's an indirect statement. You have a problem. Instead of saying something direct, you're asking, do you think we can make this work? I really need to get to the shops today for bread and to wash a couple of loads of clothing. Do you think we can make this work? How can we make this work? Another indirect add-on to that. Let's see if we can come up with a solution to this. So there's your, there, this is your issue, or really this is, this is the demand you want to ask your child or partner or friend. This is a demand, like you have a demand, you want them to do something, right? You explain the motivation for the doing of things. So in other words, the house is dirty or the dishes are piling up or, you know, the, I don't know, there's gardening needs to be done, clothes that need to be washed, bread or milk, you know, these kids, two kids at different appointments. And do you think we can make this work? Do you think we can come up with a solution to this? I, I can't see how to fix this. I can't see how to stop all this washing piling up. I can't see 
how to get, get through this. Now, the reason why I'm bringing these up as indirect statements is because number one, you're not demanding these problems be fixed. See what I'm saying? But number two, you are utilizing a different brain. So for starters, we're not accepting it um, as a demand, right? It's not being received as something that's confrontational demanding. And it's, it's an issue, and we like to fix issues with solutions, right? And that can be very black and white and concrete, but automatically it's like it's a whole different response from the autistic person in your life. Let's try and beat the clock packing up all your toys. Or it might be a problem, more adult reason. There might be a problem, you know, like, for example, you need a trade to come out to your house. You know, my wife might say, maybe we could investigate this problem with our plumber. Or maybe we can investigate this problem with a local plumber. She wants to say, can you call a plumber to come and fix this problem? She said, maybe we can, maybe we can reach out to a local plumber and investigate this, this problem. Do you know, see what I'm saying? I mean, last one and we'll move on. Hey, little buddy, who would you like to help you get ready for school today? Rather than, it's time to get dressed, I'm going to help you. Or, it's time to get dressed, you just got to get dressed. Get ready for school, it's time. Right? I, I want, that's what I'm trying to convey. You must get dressed now. We're running out of time, it must happen now, but I'm going to make sure it happens. Go, go up to them and you speak to them. Mate, who would you like to help you get ready for school today? It's conveying the same thing, but it's providing them control in the face of anxiety. I can't give you the whole world, but I'll do my best. Depersonalized demands. This is very similar to indirect language, right? So we won't spend too much time, but I guess don't personally ask the autistic person in your life by name to do something. We're looking at the idea of depersonalizing it. Obviously, there's a variety of ways. Okay, so, you know, for kids, you might use things like, like competitions, you know, like beat, you know, let's beat the clock packing up the, the toys. You could use characters they like. You communicate to them in demands without them being direct through characters they like. You might want to use a favorite toy. I, I understand some of this seems a bit over creative, like I've got to create characters and dialogue and I'm, what am I, like an actor, role-playing, or I'm going to come up with all these things. I get it, but it's actually not that hard. So it, you're just turning your demand into an indirect suggestion in a, and depersonalizing it. Younger kids, maybe not as much, but I still think, pretty much I think in general terms for all autistic people, indirect language. Using indirect language and combining that with depersonalizing the demands are key ways to beat demand avoidance. All right, last one. Choices. Providing choices to events and situations that trigger demand avoidance can really help. So again, like we say, anxiety and control go hand in hand. Allowing the autistic person in your life to feel a sense of control will help in achieving that task or getting to that event or doing that thing. Because demand avoidance really is a roadblock to the achieving of things, the carrying out of tasks. And the choice isn't do it or not do it. Let's say that again. When I say provide choices, the choice is never do it or not do it. I want to be clear about that. Example, we're getting our, our son ready for school. We're not going to say, would you like to get ready for school? Well, that's a question you can say no to. There's a choice of doing it or not doing it. That doesn't make any sense. That's not going to help him get ready for school. So we might provide a choice. Hey, buddy, what do you want to do? Shorts? Pants? We want him to get dressed, and we're going to get him dressed, but it's through choices. What do you reckon, buddy? Polo, shirt, shorts, pants. What do you want to do first? Top, bottom? Everything else, by the way, is laid out, ready to go. Our son, at the time of me recording this, is eight. That's young, clearly, for an autistic kid. So if that's the case, then we're going to get his school uniform. We're going to put it in his vicinity, and then we can ask those indirect questions. Who would you like to help you today? 
And if he, we can see that he's still not stoked about it, would you prefer to wear pants today, mate? Either way, you're getting dressed. That's what's happening, but we're not going to say that. It seems to open up the autistic brain into more of an accepting openness to what are clearly just demands, but done in a way that's more efficient for the autistic brain. By the way, this, is, this isn't mind games and exploitation. This is speaking a different language. I've said this a few times. Let's assume that an autistic brain and a neurotypical brain don't speak the same language. And if that's the case, what we're basically saying is neurotypical people really have to learn another language. And that other language is autistic brain language, right? Whatever you want to call it. So you might go, oh, so it's all about us, isn't it, mate? Well, hang on. So your kid, when he goes to school or she goes to school and they mask and they suppress and they camouflage to fit in and they try to act neurotypical, what language do you think they're using? So autistic people are born already learning a foreign language. They've got their own autistic language and they've got their language of how do I mask and fit in and pretend to be neurotypical. So I guess if they've been doing it since they were basically, what, toddlers, you know, primary school at the latest, I reckon you can probably go ahead and, you know, dip your toe into it a bit, mate. Again, the choice thing. You've got to get dressed for school. This has to happen. You have no choice about it, but you do have the choice of how it comes together. So you can use that metaphor for any age, any autistic person. There is no choice in doing it or not doing it. For sp- for not all tasks, for specific tasks that need to be done, that's going to happen. There's not a choice involved in, well, yes, this is or isn't going to happen. There's a choice involved in how you'd like it to happen, which in my opinion is more, offers more control and helps anxiety than the reverse. Because a lot of autistic people, their default answer to everything is no. Like I could, honestly, if he loves outdoor, I could say, hey, little buddy, you want to go walk to the beach? Nope. Want to go outside on the trampoline? Nope. I, mean, I could say, do you want to get on a plane to go to Disneyland? Nope. Right? Not, that's not the real answer. But anxiety <laughs> and just the idea of life as an autistic person you know, on a planet that doesn't, just doesn't seem right, that is your default answer for safety. Why would you leave your home? It doesn't matter if it's Disneyland or the beach or the park. No. <laughs> and it's never the real answer. That's the problem. And I guess the last choice example would be between me and my wife. We need stuff from the shops. We need some loads of washing done. Anything you prefer to do? Would you prefer to go to the shops today? Would you prefer to do some washing? What would you like to do? She's not saying, do you mind doing either of these? She's saying, what would you rather do? What would you like to do? Either way, these two things need to get done today, and they're going to get done today. But it's positioned as a choice to me. Advance notice of intervening acts. Staying calm in the face of pushback when you provide that advance notice. The use of indirect language and depersonalizing demands and providing choices. Stop asking the autistic person in your life these yes-no questions. Like, honestly, I, I, would you like to have a bath tonight? No. Oh, well, I guess then there's no bath tonight. That's fine. Well, no, that's not fine. Do you feel like having a bath tonight or a shower? What would you prefer to have? It's time for a bath or a shower. Big difference. I hope that helps. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I don't. There's no guarantee. There's no legal guarantee on that. But the effort and the the hope is there. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This video podcast, you can watch this and all the others on my brand new dedicated podcast YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcasts. I appreciate you watching the podcast and listening wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, until the next episode, thank you so much for your support. Really, it, it means everything, and you have joined the best community, I can tell you right now on YouTube. Thank you so much for watching and listening, and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion, and binge all the podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.